is Thursday, January the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russian-led peacekeepers head to Kazakhstan, and Australia denies Yokovic entry. First, the world in brief. A military alliance of six former Soviet states, dominated by Russia, said it would send peacekeeping forces to Kazakhstan to help contain mass protests over a fuel price increase. The country's president, Kasim Yomart Tokayev, declared a state of emergency. Cabinet ministers said they would resign and demonstrators stormed the airport in Almaty, the country's largest city. The protests have snowballed into a campaign to oust Nasultan Nazarbayev, a strongman former president who rules alongside Mr Tokayev, his hand-picked successor. After several hours in limbo at the Melbourne airport, Novak Djokovic was denied entry to Australia, a decision his lawyers said they will appeal against. The Serbian tennis player was granted a medical exemption from COVID-19 vaccination rules to play at the Australian Open. But the visa on which he travelled doesn't permit such exemptions. Serbia's president called Mr Djokovic's treatment, quote, harassment. In December, policymakers at America's Federal Reserve said they would consider raising interest rates, quote, sooner at a faster pace than earlier anticipated, according to meeting minutes released on Wednesday. The hawkish stance reflects their concern about persistently high inflation and the need to tame it by tightening monetary policy. Soon after hiking rates, the Fed may start shrinking its $8.8 trillion balance sheet. Despite its milder symptoms, the volume of Omicron cases began straining hospitals in America. Hospitalizations increased by 45% over the past week and are at their highest levels in nearly a year. In Germany, the government plans to shorten self-isolation periods to pre-empt a strain on critical services. Singapore said that people would lose their fully vaccinated status if they did not soon get a booster jab. North Korea said that a missile that it tested on Wednesday was a hypersonic one. It was the country's first test since October, and its second overall of a hypersonic weapon. Such, quote, gliding warheads can evade enemies' detection systems for longer by flying closer to the ground than conventional intercontinental ballistic missiles. Taiwan will set up a $200 million fund to invest in Lithuanian industries and boost trade between the two countries. The cash is an encouragement to hold steady. China, which considers Taiwan its own, is pressing for Lithuania to revoke the island's permission to operate a de facto embassy in Vilnius, the capital under its own name. Local authorities said 13 people, including seven children, were killed in a fire in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania on Wednesday. The blaze burned quickly through a crowded row house, owned by the city's public housing authority. It was the deadliest fire Philadelphia had seen in more than a century. And fact of the day. Six. The number of coups Sudan has suffered since independence in 1956. The latest putsch took place on October 25th, sparking mass protests. And now, 
Here's today's agenda. Anti-Muslim misogyny in India Just as remarkable as the spread of smartphones in the past decade or so has been the proliferation of apps to show off their uses. On Saturday, Indian internet users were shocked to discover one pretending to auction more than 100 Muslim women, showing pictures sourced without consent. The app for doing so was named Bullibai, after a derogatory term for Muslim women. Many of the women featured are journalists and activists who have loudly criticised the Bharatiya Janata Party, India's ruling Hindu nationalist party. As such, they are regularly subjected to online abuse from right-wing trolls. Last year, a near-identical app, Suli Deals, using another pejorative term for Muslim women, had to be shut down. Three people have so far been arrested over bully by. Police say more could be. Yet this is unlikely to be sufficient to tackle underlying attitudes. The anniversary of the storming of America's capital. Most Americans agree on at least one thing. Democracy is under threat. But their reasons differ. Democrats worry about elections being overturned and the potential for political violence. Republicans about the prospect of illegal voting. A year after a mob stormed the Capitol on January 6, 2021, the number of Republican supporters who believe the election was stolen has remained remarkably stable. Democrats have focused their reform efforts on voting rights. Strengthening electoral procedure is arguably more important. Immediately before the assault on the Capitol, a solid minority of Republican legislators intended to vote to reject electoral college votes from states lost by Donald Trump, the once and perhaps future president. Yet the Electoral Count Act, which governs the certification of the presidential vote, remains unreformed. A flurry of bills designed to warp states' electoral processes to confer partisan advantage have been filed since. Securing a vote for everyone will not matter if these votes do not count. Why gold is underperforming Inflation is roaring and for the past two years central banks have printed money like never before. But the price of gold, reputedly an asset that should protect against inflation, barely changed at all last year. It has risen by just 16% over the past decade. Gold investors face a few problems. The commodity moves fairly closely with American inflation-protected government bonds, which barely budged last year. Gold holds few advantages for safety-conscious investors and new regulatory changes under the Basel III Bank Capital Accord in 2010 raised the cost of holding gold as an asset. Meanwhile, new and more exciting speculative assets are intriguing sceptics of fiat money. Bitcoin, a cryptocurrency, and Ethereum, a blockchain network, have a combined market capitalization of around $1.3 trillion, more than a tenth of the estimated value of all above-ground gold stocks. As an asset which is neither entirely safe nor entirely exciting, 
gold risks a period of irrelevance. The housing boom is set to stay. It's a good time to be an estate agent. Global house prices are up and seem to just keep on climbing. But some worry that as Covid stimulus tails off and central banks raise interest rates to combat inflation, what goes up must come down. But must it? So far there's little evidence that tighter fiscal and monetary policies are curbing house prices. The same factors that explain high prices suggest they may stay that way. Buyers are better off than in previous housing booms. The low base of interest rates offer them some protection from rate increases, meaning fewer foreclosures and therefore fewer of the fire sales that drag down prices. Remote working has stoked demand for houses with office space or larger gardens. And supply is historically low. Analysis by The Economist shows that house building in the rich world adjusted for population was half its mid-1960s level even before pandemic-induced bottlenecks squeezed the supply of building materials. Those are pretty solid foundations. David Bowie's new old album In the six years since his death, David Bowie has been busier than ever. He's released nearly a dozen albums, a handful of EPs and singles, and several exhaustive and perhaps to non-stands exhausting box sets. The latest of these includes an album, Toy, that shows how the thin white duke, in death as in life, does things a little differently. Most posthumous releases are the result of record companies panning for gold in the cast-offs of a rock star's prime. All too often they settle for pyrite. Bowie took it upon himself to mine the flop singles, forgotten B-sides and unheard demos he recorded before becoming famous. He reworked them in 2000 and 2001 using lessons learned over 30 years of successes and failures to dig out treasure. Released in a standalone edition called Toy Box on January 7th, it shows the master of reinvention Cha-cha-cha-changing one last time. Winter Quiz, Week 4. The battle with our baristas continues. As in previous weeks, we've served you a new question each day. Your challenge is to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Thursday. Which company, established in 1883, is known for the games Monopoly and Risk? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Alan Wilson Watts who was born on this day in 1915. Problems that remain persistently insoluble should always be suspected as questions asked in the wrong way. 
That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 